and we found some old pictures with the horses and the fat monk, which uh, we always talk about. It. Some of the monks don't like him, but then he does represent a lot of us, so we, we keep <laughs> him there. Welcome to the Pints and Pews podcast. I'm your co-host, Dennis. And I'm your other co-host, Robert. And we're just a couple of guys talking the Catholic faith over a pint or two of our favorite beers. So why don't you pour yourself a pint, pull up a chair, and listen in for the next little while. As we take the faith seriously, but not necessarily ourselves. And as always, if you want to take part in the conversation or have an idea for the podcast, leave us a comment or swing by our Facebook page and drop us a message. Dennis, buddy, how are you doing this evening? Great, Robert. Beautiful day here, right? Nice and hot, sunny. Summer is almost upon us. You got another great guest for us lined up this evening, correct? Thanks be to God on all of those. Thanks be to God on all of those. We're out of the, the cold Canadian winter, heading into summer, summer vacations upon us. And yes, we do have an amazing guest to, to be here with us this evening. So, And we, we marry two of our favorite things, which we usually do. We marry beer and our faith on every podcast. But this is kind of a really special one because we really bring those two together tonight. Exactly. Exactly. We Like you say, we always talk about our beers and we talk about our faith. Today, we can talk about both one and the same one with the our same. guest. And we were saying just before we got started recording here, Dennis, how we want to get into our beers as quickly as possible. We've been working on that over the year and a half of the podcast. We've been working on getting down the time. Well, I, to actually, get there. I've been I've been working on you getting down the time to get there. And, and you are getting better, Robert. So we I will give you better. kudos for that. Yes. So without further ado, I should introduce our guest. Yes, then please here do. This evening so we can crack open our beers. So born Patrick Ritchie. Our guest this evening made his simple profession as a Benedictine monk at the Subiaco Abbey Church on October 2nd, 2020. During the ceremony at Vespers, our guest received his habit from Abbot Leonard, along with the new name of Brother Sebastian. God willing, he will be making his final and perpetual vows after his three-year simple vows are finished. Hailing from Syracuse, New York, he has moved from New York to Alabama through to Pennsylvania before receiving his BA in Catholic theology from St. Vincent College. Since his graduation, Brother Sebastian has been a high school teacher at various schools before becoming a teacher and a coach at Subiaco Academy, where he coaches football and baseball. And then there he discerned a call to enter formation at the adjoining Abbey, where now, and I think it's probably one of his more important roles, as much as being a teacher and forming young minds is an important role, but he's also the brewmaster of the Country Monks Brewery. With one of the best beards ever to grace the Pints and Pews podcast, Brother Sebastian, welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. All the way from Razorback Country in Arkansas. Welcome, brother. So pleasure to be here tonight. Now, I hope I pronounced that correctly. It's Subiaco? Yes, that's correct. Okay. That's, um, yeah, sometimes you see the word and you want to pronounce letters a certain way, and you end up getting it all, all mumbled up. I thought, yeah. so you did say beards, but you could have said one of the best beers, I thought, Robert, because they do make a couple of nice beers, and I think Brother's going to fill us in on that this evening. Correct? Yes, sir. Yeah. So, and uh, yeah, hopefully one of these days we'll be able to to taste one of these beers as, oh. as well. Now, thinking of tasting beers, and like we just said, we're trying to 
to get to the beers as quickly as possible. Gentlemen, why don't we open our our pints and then we'll get Brother Sebastian to say the prayer once we've we've poured. So here we go. I've got a half pint glass going on here, so I'm going to be pouring throughout the show, I think. But always nice. Actually, Brother Sebastian, we see it looks like you're close to the tap room there. You're, you're cracking open a tin or you're actually pouring from the from the spout? I'll just uh, be drinking out of one of our cans. Uh, I am in the tap room, the, the, the storage area, which is also where my office is at. But uh, I grabbed one of our Wolfgang Wheat Beers uh, to try out tonight. Very nice, very nice. Very nice. Dennis, you're a big fan of the wheat beers. I like the wheat beers. Yes, the German wheat beers, but I'm I'm partial to any wheat beer. I, I'll take a wheat beer over an IPA any day, Robert. Uh, I guess you're uh, not the same. We, we had that conversation on the last episode. We did. So. We did. So, Brother Sebastian, if you could say grace before beer for us, please. Will do. In the name of the Father, the Father, Son, and the Holy and Spirit. Son. Amen. 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 Bless, O Lord, this creature beer, which thou hast deigned to produce from the fat of grain, that it may be a solitary remedy to the human race and grant through the invocation of thy holy name that whoever shall drink it may gain health and body and peace and soul through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, Father the Son, and the, Son. the Holy, Spirit. Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank Cheers, you, gentlemen. Cheers. Cheers. I don't even want to drink this. This is like a perfect little, little bit of a thick stout head there, but it's, it's, it's very nice. We're gonna say your your beer's looking a little dark there, Dan. So you have a, uh, a scout for us. Dennis? You know what I have this evening? I have got something I didn't even know existed. Everybody's here to Guinness, obviously. And if you go down to Cork in Ireland, you're partially defined Murphy's Irish Stout. This is an O'Hara's Irish Stout, uh, nitro, the little nitro ball inside, and it's got it is it is really good. Mm. I don't know if it's good as brothers, but it's got a little bit of licorice a little bit of coffee aroma in there i'm really enjoying that one and yourself gentlemen well i was just going to ask quickly there sir would uh, how would mr guinness feel that you have an o'hara's stout in his <laughs> in his guinness cup right. I, don't tell you, I don't have an o'hara's cup unfortunately no, i don't know if even mr guinness uh, would care the money that uh, mr guinness is making right <laughs> yeah and so brother sebastian you said it's a a wolfgang wheat beer it is so we uh, have taken and naming all of our beers off of uh, a care one of the monks who uh this is what we call one of our foundation beers so wolfgang was uh was our first prior at the abbey he was sent here by saint meinrich's to begin the abbey in uh 1878 and on the can there's actually a kind of a little picture i'll show you guys there's uh that's the cabin that uh, would have been here when they first moved and we found some old pictures with the horses and the fat monk, which uh, we always talk about. Uh, some of the monks don't like him, but then he does represent a lot of us. So we, we keep <laughs> it there. Um, and then we just did a little image of Wolfgang on the other side. So it's uh, everything we do is try to use the, the W from Wolfgang for the wheat beer. So it, in our heads, it makes sense. That's uh, great. The Amber, the Scholastic Stout. Uh, and so, yeah, this one, this was actually one of, uh, it's one of my recipes that I have grown fond of. I always like, uh, like the good wheat beer when I was out in Colorado. Um, and so I thought, you know, I'm going to try making one of those. And I, I, I really do enjoy this one. It's probably the fifth time that we've canned it. So um, it's fairly new for me. Uh, 
but still enjoy it a lot. Is it popular in the tap room, uh, brother? Are you selling a lot of that? I know you do sell on Saturdays. I believe you can you can pick up some of your beer. You can, and it, it is it is popular. We had a you know as it gets hotter, we kind of bring it back into into session again. So uh, the, during the summer months, we probably will sell it as often as we sell an amber, which is our most popular selling okay. beer. See, I'd, I'd be lining up for the amber. Yeah, the amber and, sounds good down. too, eh? Yeah. And that's a I great really beer can cover. Who designed that? Is, it, is that designed out of the uh, Abbey or do you guys it, design that within house? It's uh, So it's designed outside. Uh, we have uh, a couple artists that I use for the cans. Um, I give them kind of the idea, send them some some thoughts, and then they, they are able to produce something that I could never have done on my own. That's great. Um, the fat monk would have ended up as a stick figure if it were my thing, and then he'd be a thin monk. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but they, 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 the lady who did this one did an amazing job and she's done uh, four of our beer cans for us. So I'm, I've been very impressed with her work. Yeah, that's a great no, cover. It, it is very cool label that you've got on there. I really like the history that you bring the history of the Abbey into as well, naming yeah. the beers you know, after your, your first prior. Wolfgang, and you have the the original cabin, which would have been the original Abbey on there. I just think that's really neat that not only you're getting a, a great beer, but you're getting a, a lesson a little bit in the history of the faith in your corner of the world. And that was a, a major spot for us when we started this, uh, the process of how do we, how do we really want to roll these out? And uh, in the very beginning, it was the three flagship beers, the Abbey Amber, this classic stout and the pale ale. And then as we started creating others, it was like, you know, we really kind of need to come up with a, I'll give you guys some, some insight of this. I am a huge label person. So I actually mm -hmm. create the labels before I ever have created the beers and then have to figure out how to make the label fit the beer. Um, so for this one, like I knew it was going to be something wheat. And so I just like, I'm going to try to figure out. And uh, so I have a, a new one that we just finished. That's uh, it's for our, uh, Oh my gosh. I'm trying to think it's uh, I've just lost it, but it's the same thing. Like it's, I want, it's an Ignatius uh, Imperial stout uh, is what it's going to become. Because Ignatius is our first abbot, but I don't have the beer made. I haven't even gotten to that point yet of figuring out what you know, what the beer is going to be like. But the label is done, and it's, done it already, looks amazing. Right? Um, so someday it'll get a beer added to it. Again, very cool. that's that's very cool, and just allowing the the Holy Spirit to to guide the process. And again, through the the history of the Abbey and and pulling the two together. And I like that notion that you get the idea, you want to see what the label is first, and then you make the beer fit the label as opposed yeah. to the other way around. Yeah, that's very cool. I want to talk more, but Robert, you got to tell us what you... Yeah, so speaking there. about the, the Holy Spirit, and last week we celebrated the, the Great Feast of Pentecost, uh, I'm drinking an Old Flame. I wanted to come back. This is yep. my local. This is the, the brewery that's local down to the, the, the town mm -hmm. that i live in down the street 15 it's, it's one rosary walk away and if i'm walking to the brewery it takes one rosary to get there um so that's great i'm having the old flame blonde uh this go around it's not one of my usual go-to's from them but had a blonde earlier today when uh when we were out so i thought i would have another blonde here uh -huh. and again wanted to come back to my own hometown because we haven't featured one of their beers for quite a while but also in the the last episode i was talking about uh, the second wedge brewery which is in the next village over and what they've been going through because the tornado that ripped through there almost a month ago now and they're having to rebuild the brewery 
Well, the Old Flame Brewery here in Port Perry has allowed them to come in and use their machinery and their, oh, their brew room cool. and uh, to, to help get them back going again. And like most small towns, like on the Simpsons, there's the kind of that rivalry that uh, is between Springfield sure. and Shelbyville. And it's kind of the same thing up here. There's the, the rivalry between Port Perry and Uxbridge. So to see the brewery from one town helping the other brewery out uh, is fantastic to see and, and a great show of fellowship and, and people coming together, which really is what we're called to do as Christians as well. Absolutely. And Catholics, that, and that I notion think, of fellowship and coming together. For sure. And brother, you could probably speak to that coming from, you know, Subiac or Arkansas. You chip in when the, you know, stuff is down and you have to get together and build it up again and stuff. So you probably can relate to what Robert is speaking about. Yep, definitely. There's all, you know, well, I'll have stories we can talk about as we go on. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you're going to mention a couple of other beers because I know you've got a traditional Irish red or something to that effect there too. I don't know if you're brewing that right now, but I've heard that's, you've had that. And I, that sounds like another one, Robert, that we'd enjoy because I know there's one up in uh, Port Perry at the Old Flame. You have a, a red as well too. So well, all this beer talk. For, for yourself there, Dennis, anything that has the word Irish in it. Yeah, I usually like that. But, <laughs> you're, you're I mean, you're, you're hitting all the right notes with your beers. The one beer that you do have, which I'm surprised because we'll talk about that a little bit later when we mention another brewery that felt their demise was due to the IPA. You do make an IPA and Robert is very fond of, I'm not uh, crazy the about IPAs. the IPAs, but you do make one on site as well. Right. Uh, brother. We do. We have a, it's more of a traditional pale ale instead of the, the, the straight, like, okay. One of the things that we have in our area is two breweries that do a great job with their IPAs. Um, so instead of trying to, to match or do something, mm -hmm. we, we, we stuck with the one that we made in the very beginning and uh, have just have really just kept, making it and hopefully we make it well enough people enjoy it and they keep coming back for that one if they enjoy a pale ale right so that's the only pale ale you won't verge into the ipa territory at all because you've got really. people doing it no fair yeah. enough and that that may be a you know i know you were just talking about another brewery that has decided also not to do that same thing and it, it hurt them a lot and uh so that's why we just yeah. did the one we thought maybe we do the one and then see what happens uh and it's been it's been successful for us, so we're going to keep doing that. I think. Well, you were do, you were doing as uh, Roberto probably talked about, but you were to cattle, obviously. But you moved from cattle into beer. Now that's this is such a huge process, and I, I don't know when you want to touch upon that, but it seems like all hands on deck for a lot of this stuff. That you, it's not. And and was there talk of enlarging? I think at one time or something. Is there still talk of that? There, uh, we still have a little bit of talk of it. Uh, we're we're trying to figure out like what would be the best way if we did enlarge. What what's the best way? Is it going to be more for distribution, or are we still going to try in house? We've talked about food um, in the tap room, but I, you know I'm I'm not a huge fan of that because I've I've worked in uh, restaurants before and they're hard. You know, and mm -hmm. it's just not one of those things I'm really excited about but you know if that's where the uh if that's where the community decides we need to go then we'll have people there to help us out which will be great that's enough little bit of beer talk here to start brother sebastian kind of at that point in the show where dennis likes to unleash his inner marcus grodi Always Marcus Grodi. And I just like us to step back and, and for you to kind of take the stage and just tell us a little bit about your faith story. How did you come to the Subiaco Abbey and were you always a Catholic? 
uh, brother. All right. So um, I was always Catholic. I was born my uh, born in Syracuse, New York, like you guys talked about earlier. I'm the uh, my parents are both from a small town in upstate New York, uh, which is just 30 minutes from the Canadian border called wow. Malone. Um, and, uh, you know, very traditional families on both sides. Um, and then when, so I was, I was born, we went to Catholic school, uh, in the primary. And then when we moved to Alabama, uh, I ended up in a public school, but you know, it, it really is my parents who, who helped And most people would probably say that, but you know, my dad is a very unassuming, just kind of amazing person. Like I, I watched as I grew up with the way that he was there for people, um, you know, at work, at home, we uh, we used to always on Saturdays, he would go to what we called our center of concern, which was in Aniston, Alabama. It was run by uh, Sister Mary Roy. Um, and her whole entire thing was the poor people, poor people need the help. And it's our job to do that. So my father uh, took it upon himself with the Knights of Columbus group, and they would go to uh, the local grocery stores and pick up kind of the the dented cans and the other things that, you know, the food that they were getting rid of uh, because they couldn't sell it. Not that it was bad food. Uh, I don't want to make that seem like a thing, but, you know, and we would pick that up. We'd take it to the center. Uh, we'd help shelve uh, the different items that we were given, uh, cut grass and things like that. So I learned at you know, 12, 13, 14 years old, that that's what you do. Um, and so when I got a driver's license and was able to drive, I enlisted some of my friends to help us continue to do that. Um, that was kind of my father's side of it. My mom was a school teacher. Uh, she taught for 30 years. My brother and I both teach. Uh, my older brother um, had taught also. So all three of us were in education, which we would say is because of our mom. But she was always there, always there for the people who needed it the most. And uh, again, it just is one of those things that as you're growing up, you watch and you see those things. And, uh, you know, it, it really did help for me without, you know, we, we did the mass. We, you know, we went to church on Saturdays together and uh, as a family. And then as we grew up, like we would still go to church. The, the kids would go on our own. Um, and then I, Went to college. After college, I tried seminary for a year. Uh, it wasn't really my, I don't know how to say that. It wasn't, it wasn't where I thought I was supposed to be. Um, and I went to uh, St. Vincent's in Latrobe, which Robert had talked about in the bio. And that's where I first learned about Benedictines and uh, really kind of grew to enjoy the way that they, they work together, but their prayer life, how that was an integral part of their lives. Um, but yet community was also integral. Um, so those two things, when I, when I graduated college, I went to, uh, I went down to Texas as a youth minister, which kind of my meandering around the country. Um, and I just fell in love with the idea of serving the church and what could I do? And my priest saw that in me and thought, I think you have a vocation. I explained to him about how I didn't think the diocesan life was for me. And he said, why don't you go to Subiaco and just do a retreat? And for about two years, I kept going to Subiaco and doing little retreats, little weekends here and there. And uh, I just, I fell in love with the community and it felt like it was home. And so I decided, uh, uh, it's <sighs> so Robert in your, your bio, the, the hard thing is I was here for four years as brother John Paul. And then I left the community for two years 
and went and taught and coached football and then came back to the school to work as a, uh, as a teacher and a coach, which is when my best friend, uh, brother Basil said, you know, what is different in your life today than seven years ago? Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, I, I couldn't really pinpoint it because I was still, my best friends were in the monastery. Uh, the, I was going to prayer with them. I was going to mass with them. I was, and he, I was like, the only thing that's different is I don't live in that building. I live across the street in the house that the Abbey owns. And he said, that's what I'm trying to tell you. You, 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 you need to come back. And, uh, and it took about a year. Uh, and I did, and it has been, one of the best decisions I ever made, because I feel like the difference between before and after was I'm finally at peace with the decision I made that this is the right place at the right time. Whereas before it was the right place, wrong time. And I, and I knew that because God was helping me to see that, that I wasn't doing the monk part as well as I could have. Whereas now it's, it just feels, it feels like putting on your favorite jacket. You know, you're, you're, it's just, it's comfortable. And you know, I wouldn't have that without having those six years of being away to kind of drive that that desire to be back. Uh, sorry, I'm taking so long. No, but... no, no. I, I really like that notion of the 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 not yet. Yes, it's yes. This is what is supposed to be, but just not yet. Just not yet. And like you say, the right place, but at the wrong time. It's always in God's time. And I don't know how many times I get myself frustrated because I want it done in my time. And God has these other plans. Yeah, right? And, and yep. all of those travels, like you say, you, you've been on. Was there a state you didn't name as you were seeing all, so, all of your travels around there? I. Uh, it's actually kind of funny because for about a year and a half, I drove an 18-wheeler here in America. Um, <laughs> and uh, so I saw the 48 states, uh, got into Canada twice on each side of the border, uh, east and west. I actually was in Quebec. Uh, in yep. Toronto, are you guys in Quebec? Is yeah, that- no, we're just outside of Toronto, just east of Toronto. Just outside of- so I've, Probably, I've been yeah. in both of those areas, okay. and uh, I, you know, so I got to see all of those. I, I've lived in Pennsylvania and New York, uh, I, where else? Illinois, Missouri, Texas, Alabama, Arkansas, Colorado, mm-hmm. Alabama. So, wow. I, as far as like deciding the place I wanted to live, I had already figured out like in the South was going to be a thing. Um, and then it was once that had happened and once the, uh, once I knew that it was going to be a Benedictine community, it gave me an opportunity to visit three or four of the the monastic communities in the South. And again, like I said, I just really fell in love with here. And over time, it it just became one of those deeper, you know, deeper loves, I guess. Yeah. Just, just for our listeners, brother. So you, you had the name brother, John Paul, and then you obviously came back and, and then it's now brother Sebastian. Is there a reason or what's the reasoning just behind that? The name has to, or did <laughs> you just decide be, that? No, the, the, so the community, when I left, normally once a name is taken, they don't let anybody take it. Right. Uh, but when somebody leaves, then the name is opened back up again. Well, while I was gone, another young monk came in and took the name John Paul. Um, <laughs> And then he also ended up leaving um, after about a year and a half. And so the, uh, the formation director, Father Richard, said to me, that name is just out for a little while. You're not allowed to be John Paul. You're going to have to come up with a new name. And I, having been a coach, I, I kind of researched the background of, uh, of, of St. Sebastian. He was patron saint of athletes. And uh, we had in the community when I first got here, a Father Sebastian, who I apparently talked about enough that 
Basil had said to me, you know, you talk about him so much. Why don't you just take that name and you can honor him in that way? And I thought that's exactly what I'm going to do. Um, so I'll, you give the abbot a list of three names mm-hmm. and then he chooses one of the three names for you. Um, so oh, wow. most people don't ever ask this question, but uh, so I'm going to tell you anyway, without you asking. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. My three names were Sebastian, uh, Gerald and Maximilian. Uh, Gerald is because my grandfather's name was Gerald, another huge influence in my faith. And I thought that. So what I did was normally you write your list, you know, top to bottom, one, two, three. And I did not want to influence the abbot on the decision. So I wrote him across the paper. So I, you know, just wrote the three names across the paper, not knowing that he likes to select the first name because he thinks that's the one you want the most. Um, Mm -hmm. So he chose Sebastian, which in a way was, was one of the names I wanted the most. So it it works. Uh, But I I always thought that was interesting. Like that story. And there's another story I can tell in a minute, because I think we're going to get to that. So I'm going to hold off on this one. I'll I'll hold this story. Yeah, no, I I found that was very interesting. I've also always wondered, I was, it was on the tip of my tongue actually to, to ask, do you have any input into the name or do you just show up for the vows and the abbot through some kind of inspiration comes up with the name? So that, yeah, I found that fascinating that there yeah, were the, the three names uh, and you spoke about why Sebastian and why Gerald, why Maximilian? I mean, I'm looking at the beard and I'm thinking St. Maximilian Colbert, Yeah, but I'm sure there's a little bit more to it. it. You ever have that idea in your head that there's the one name that maybe you don't want so you put that on there as the hope that like it won't be that name that he picks it because I was like I'm not a I'm not a Maximilian I'm more like a, a Max I guess mm-hmm. and uh, but then I thought I could definitely I could have but now joking aside his life and what he did in the concentration camps and everything else for putting himself for you know himself last and letting mm-hmm. the other I, that to me is inspiration and yeah, I thought you know, if, if you could even live a part of his life you know you, you couldn't do it though as well as he did it but um i so I, I really did think that you know if that were one of the names he chose that that would be something that worth living up to um, so be it yep yeah no, three the, good the, choices that's the, for the, sure. the, the, the saints provide us with such inspiration and role models to to, to try to be. I also had another question for you, Brother Sebastian. You, you mentioned you visited a number of different Benedictine abbeys, right, through the South. I'm not going to ask you to name names, so don't you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> but my, my curiosity was, um, like, both Dennis and I are also school teachers, and we've worked in a couple of different schools. And each school, even if they're only a couple miles apart from each other, each school kind of has its own personality, as much as all of these abbeys are of the Benedictine order and should all be in, at least in some ways similar, but does each abbey also have its own personality? Oh, that's yes. You'll have, um, I, I feel like we live up the idea of the country monks moniker that we use for our brewery and for all of our products and things like that. It's that, and I, again, you're, you're right. I don't want to disparage any, any other community, but the thing is for me, when I visited the other places, it seemed like they kind of had their, their one, their one part that made them who they were. Whereas here there isn't a mold. It's, you know, if somebody comes in and they know how to make soap and they want to make soap and that's they, they make soap. And the Abbey is very much about how do you live your monastic life in order to, to praise God and to do things for the community that are going to, and that's, that was, 
to me to a T. Like, what can I do for myself and for God that helps promote the Abbey and also our, our faith to other people? And that's just, I, it's what I saw in the men that I met my first trip here. And that, you know, never left. It was just always that idea that uh, these guys, they were humble men. They weren't pretentious, highly educated. Um, not that that's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. But for me, it wasn't it wasn't what I was looking for. And I I saw in these guys here just this this community of men who who just I don't I don't know the right word for it. But that love, you know, loved what they did and they loved who they were and they loved the people that were around them. And I just I wanted to be a part of that. Nice. And is a good cross section of of men from the States, uh, uh, brother, like uh, the Northeast, the Midwest, the West, Southern, are, are many from the South or is it kind of all over? It's it's kind of all over now. It, in the very beginning, I'm sure they were they were very much centered right around here in Arkansas. But in the last 15 years, hmm. um, you've got like myself from Alabama. We have uh, brothers that are from Louisiana, uh, another guy from upstate New York who his family is actually about 30 minutes away from my family, where my family grew up. Okay. My family knows his priest. And um, so you have, uh, you know, and then a couple of local guys. So there's a nice cross section of monks and uh, coming here from different areas, but also still a couple of the local guys who know of us and, uh, and join um, because of that, that prior knowledge. And then there's the ones of us who, who come on the visits and it's just like, this is, this is the place. This is where we should be. Yeah. Just kind of, I've, I've always shared this with my students and just when you know, it's what God wants, when you know that this is where God has called me to be, there's just that feeling of, of rightness. And I always share for me, the first time I really ever felt that was on my wedding day. And I'm standing in front of the sanctuary and the back doors of the church open and my bride stepped into the church and I, I get goosebumps even now when I share this. And I saw Ellie standing at the back of the church. It's like, this is right. This is what God wants. And the second time I ever felt that was the first time I held my son in my arms. And, awesome. kinda, and, and so what you're saying there is reminding me of that and, and giving me those, those goosebumps that when you were at Subiaco Abbey, you just realized that that is where God was calling you. We, we joked about it the other day. Somebody said, well, what if you what if you decide you're going to leave? And I said, there's only two ways. It's, I'm going to die or they're going to vote me out at this point. I, <laughs> I did not leave the first time to come back to just leave again. Uh, now, I, you know, to me, it's it's just it is it is exactly that. It's a feeling that you get when everything else just washes away and you just know that it feels like that's the place and or that's the right situation, the right and and you just have to you just have to trust that God is putting you where he needs you to be then. And that's what I'm doing now. I've been to a Benedictine for uh, Abbey for a retreat in just outside of Perth, Australia. You have a Benedictine Abbey in New Norcia, which is just about two hours north of Perth. Okay. And very much on the same scale as yours. They had a high school, I believe, at one time, and then it uh, the numbers weren't there because it was a small town. So they lost the high school. I think, I believe you still have that school. Right. Do, and yes. and I, I don't think they were doing beer, but I think they were doing farming work and it was just a beautiful weekend away type thing, but it was good because you had your, you know, silent and then you had yep. your little, 
he had a few aperitifs after after dinner, which was always nice with the monks. That was always a nice touch. That's yeah. that's great. Yeah. 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 I was going to mention I visited a number of Benedictine abbeys when I was living in Bavaria in South Germany. Um, Kloster Andex and Benedictine Bojen and Kloster Etal. Never for a retreat, though. Uh, yeah. Back back in my early twenties, the re- retreat was not uh, high on my list. It was there more for more for the beer garden, right? Yeah. But you mentioned too, Brother Sebastian, that when the guys come into the abbey, each one kind of brings in their particular talent. And you said if some if a guy comes in and he and he wants to be making soap, he'll make soap. Uh, I n- know you guys make a. A hot sauce, sauce down yeah. there as well. Uh, do. I don't know which one I want to try first. The hot sauce the or the peanut brittle? Isn't there a peanut brittle you're making or something? There, like there's that? also a peanut brittle. So get some yeah, of that we, up here too. Come on. We uh, we have a, it's really neat. Like Father Richard, uh, who was who was my superior when I first entered. He was my superior when I entered the second time. Uh, was in Belize for 27 years uh, at one of our priories. Uh, so. It's one of the, the, the establishments that we put, we sent him to Belize and other monks to try to form that. And uh, he started growing Belizean peppers, these habanero mm. peppers. And uh, let's see, smuggled is not the right word, but brought back some of the seeds uh, when he returned to Subiaco. And he's been growing these, these same peppers for the last 15 years. And uh, so we grow our own habanero peppers uh, and we make three different sauces. We have a, a smoked, uh, a regular red pepper uh, sauce. And then we have the green, which are just the, the peppers that when they're not ripe at the end of the season, but yet still make a really good hot sauce. Um, and so those were that was kind of the start of it. And then we had Brother Thomas, who started peanut brittle. He had a recipe that his mother had given him. So he started making peanut brittle, just small batches. Now, uh, last year, I think we made 8,300 tins, so 83 pound and a quarter tins uh, of uh, this peanut brittle, and uh, they, the peanut brittle is amazing. Um, We have, like I said, Brother Andre makes soap, and I make our candles. Uh, We have, we just, there's Brother Jude with his woodworking. If you guys uh, get a chance, maybe even the the audience can go on our website and just kind of look at some of the work he puts out. Um, hand-drawn things that he can do with a transfer to a laser uh, that, you know, prints onto there, but it's his artwork. And you just, some of it is just unbelievable. Uh, Father Jerome, who used to be our abbot, makes these segmented bowls, uh, which are just little pieces of wood that he puts together and he makes the most beautiful little wood bowls out of them. Brother Jude also does some of those. And it is really like, it's just a place for a person who has a talent. Um, and now Benedict says, if they, if that person gets too full of themselves, you should take the job away from them. Um, (laughs) because that, you know, their, their job is not to be full of themselves. It's to be full, full for the Lord. And, uh, so that's, uh, that's one of the things, you know, you you just have a whole bunch of humble men that make really, well, I think sometimes really great stuff and they, uh, we just, we just keep trying. How do you do that brother? Because I'm just like, um, I'm just kind of confused. Like you've got the hot sauce. Do you not use the same things? And then you've got the peanut brittle. And I know you don't cross contaminate. Well, obviously peanut allergies and stuff, but then you've got soap. Like, would you not be better concentrating on I mean, it's great for the community and for people who come into the shop. They've got this wide variety, but where was the decision or how was the decision made that you would actually just focus on a number of things and do them pretty well, as opposed to just 
massively produced one type of product. We we've talked about that uh, in the last couple of years is, you know, what happens as some of our monks, the numbers start to go down a little bit and they, they have been, and that happens everywhere. You know, do we start focusing on some of the, the products versus all of them? And uh, I think what happens like with the soap and the candles and some of those others, the, the ones that are your hobby kind of products. I think they they'll go away at some point. Okay. And you'll refocus onto something else and try to at least hopefully we'll always keep the peanut brittle and the hot sauce. And, and of course, you know, partial, but the beer, the beer uh, yeah. as being, you know, some of our top products. But I think that, uh, I think you're right. I think that, you know, the, the community has to reevaluate all the time about what, what do we need to be doing? And I think that's where you come in between the difference between a hobby and a business. And that's hard in a monastic community because you, you don't want to see it as either. Like I don't want beer to be my hobby. Um, but at the same time, I don't want it to be our business either. Our business is the, the, the education of the students who are in our Academy and uh, in our apostolates, which are the uh, like our parishes and uh, our retreat center. Those are our major apostolates. Those are the places where we're going to have the most influence on people and the rest are the ways that we support those ministries. And anything that gets in the way of those three, I think, becomes an issue and either needs to, I guess, as Paul would have said, be cut off um, or, you know, re refigured out to make it make sure that we stay where our focus is on those apostolates. I think that's always a great temptation, even when you're working in the Lord's Vineyard, that when you are doing all of these great things, the temptation is there a lot of times to want to turn the focus on yourself and say, you know, you know, for us as teachers, look, I did this amazing lesson, right? Or like you're saying, we're turning out this fantastic beer. Uh, we've got this wonderful hot sauce. But then, and as you were saying, if the monk gets too full of himself, then that job is to, to be taken away. There's that notion of humility. And there, there needs to be mm -hmm. uh, a humbleness about it as well. But the temptation is great to, to get sucked in, I think. It's very strong. And even here, you know, like I, I'll look at it sometimes and be like, gosh, I'm the only one down here. I, you know, I'm brewing all the beer and mm -hmm. I'm doing it. And then I remember yeah. it's, but it's still the community that's given me permission to do these things. And at any moment, the abbot can reassign me to something else. And so I have to, I have to focus on the idea that it's not, it's not me doing it. It's, it's us. And uh, Father Elijah, who's uh, our formation director and one of probably my very good friends, he and I were novices together the first time around. So that's kind of even an interesting thing where your your best friend, is, one of your best friends is now also your boss. And mm -hmm. so when I talk to him sometimes, I'm like, Elijah, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to be best friend right now, not not a formation director. And he'll be like, all right, well, let me put on the other hat and see if I can do this. But, you know, it, it becomes that idea for for I think every single person where in any job that you have where where you think, you know, that the whole thing revolves around me and, and then you lose your focus on why that thing exists. Um, I, you know, even today, like it, it, it could be just right now. I did an interview today with the newspaper or a, a, a television station. I'm mm -hmm. doing the interview with you guys. And tomorrow there's somebody coming to do a commercial to, to, to about the brewery and me. And it's like, 
I can look at that and be like, oh my gosh, look at all this publicity. Look how great this is. And then I have to remind myself again, stop that. You know, don't do that. It's not about you. It's it's about why are, why does this place exist? And it, it's the hospitality that we are going to be able to offer for people to have this entrance into the monastery that would never normally happen. We don't, I, and I, I don't know how that if, if this part will make sense, but we've been here for 140 years as a monastery and I'll have people come in the brewery or the tap room and they'll say, you know, I've driven by this place for 40 years and I've never felt comfortable stopping, but this tap room is away from the main building. It makes me feel like there's kind of this, middle ground that we've met and i i I just want to know more about why you guys are here that's why i exist here that's where my place as the the outgoing talkative you know ridiculous monk comes into the best you know kind of um because i don't mind like i'll i'll share my life story with you or i'll I'll share the parts that you need to hear about whatever it is that you want to talk about and I think that's why we're here because it gives people the opportunity to then say, well, I'd like to go up the hill and check out the church. I want to go see what the monastery looks like. And it's go, please enjoy, see it all and ask questions when you're done, come back down here and let's talk some more. And that, that it really is for me. It's, it's the most important thing that we can offer for our community. Right. I love a little that. Bit, yeah. A little bit more about that interaction with the community. So the, the tap rooms open on Saturday and, I mean, you wouldn't be in a traditionally Catholic area. Obviously, we're talking about Arkansas now. So what has that been like, uh, brother? And I, I do believe you're a big employer down there as well, too. So there is this interaction. I mean, you got people coming for retreats, but you also have people coming there just to have a beer or just to buy some product. But they're seeing more, you know, brothers, monks like yourself who are kind of living this life. And that must be like for the community around there. It must be kind of thing that pulls pulls both the monastery as well as the community together, would it not? It does. You know, we uh, I've seen even like in my my, my short time back, uh, we had a, a gentleman come in one time and he said, you know, I love I love buying your hot sauce and supporting the Abbey. So but I only buy about a bottle of it a year because it's just too hot. Um, <laughs> but I, I like supporting the Abbey says, but now your beer, he says, I can buy a beer and then another one in five minutes and another one in five minutes later. He says, I really get to support the Abbey. And I thought, you know, that's that's what that's I like nice. to hear. Yeah, I, I was going to say, is that a marketing ploy? You, you give them the hot sauce first, and then they've got to put the fire out with a few beers? Or <laughs> you, you, uh, you might be able to do that. I always like to tell people the stout is the best for the, uh, the, the, the quenching of the fire. It has a little bit of milk in it. And they're like, you're lying. And I said, yeah, a little bit, but at least you can try it out. We'll have to remember <laughs> um, that. <laughs> Robert, the, for sure. uh, but it is, you know, as far as the community goes, we have a lot of local people who really do support us. And I think here in the tap room, like when we are open from nine until four, we'll have those people come in and then they join in the conversations with the visitors. And they, it it just, it's a step up from just this uh, me talking all the time to, to people being able to just connect with other people who are also on, maybe it's just a faith journey. They're just trying to figure out well, why am I here? And then you have this local guy who says, you know what? I was, I was where you're at. I, this is what, and this is where this thing brought me better into what I, I know I kind of lost it there, but uh, it, it's that idea that we really are here is just sometimes uh, good anchors, you know, that will, will do. And that's what I, I told one of the boys one time who had graduated. I said, 
you know that we're here. And he was like, I do. I know that you're there and I know that's where you're going to be. So as a monk with stability, <laughs> this is where we're going to be. And when people need us, we're here. Um, and then from the other side of it, it would be that, you know, we, we have that opportunity also to go out and to evangelize and to, and sometimes it's just wearing the crazy Jedi looking uniform uh, and getting asked a question about that. Like, why do you dress up like that? Well, it's not actually dressing up. It's, this is my life. Uh, it's a habit that I wear. And uh, it, it's, it's a way that I outwardly show that my dedication um, to God. And now I'm going to be able to, to talk to you about that a little bit. So uh, yeah, it, it's it, the community and the, the way that the monks interact with it is pivotal to our success here in evangelizing. Yeah, I, I really like that notion. It's almost like the tap room is providing the soil for the Holy Spirit to plant seeds and it's being watered with the beer, right? And, yeah. and the beer provides that, that lubrication yeah. for the conversations to start because like you're saying, those conversations will happen that wouldn't necessarily happen at the supermarket. Uh, or even in the coffee shop. But once you're sitting there and you've got the beer going and you're a little bit more relaxed, then people will open up a little bit more. And from I, what you're I, saying too, it's not just yourselves, the brothers, but it's the, the other patrons in the establishment as well that will, uh, the Holy Spirit will work through them as well. I think that's fantastic. You mentioned earlier about that everyone comes in with their, their, their own talent and you made an illusion. So I'm going to put a guess out there, Brother Sebastian. Uh, when you originally went into the Abbey, you were looking to make candles and not brew beer. Did I pick oh. up on that right? So I what I heard. I, have, I thought when I was coming into the Abbey that I, I had already predestined myself that I would be a school teacher and a football coach because that's all I've ever done. And uh, it's what I've done since I, I graduated from college. And I thought that's that's what they're going to they're, they're going to have me doing. I was uh, not shocked. But when the abbot asked me during simple vows, he said, I think for your first year, we're going to have you assist Brother Basil with the brewery, the tap room and his candle making. I said, OK, I can do that for a year. And then my second year, it was OK. Now we're going to have you run the tap room, the brewery, the wine making operation, and you're also going to make candles. I thought, okay, I can do that for a year. Um, and then like, it slowly became more of, I got out of the idea that this was brother Basil's thing. And it, it really just became a part of what was me. And uh, I, I think I kind of said it earlier today that, and I might have even said it earlier, 20 years ago, I would never have said to myself, you're going to make beer. That's going to be your the rest of your life is making beer. Um, it's kind of funny because I'm not a huge beer drinker, um, which may shock people that a brewery person is not the big beer drinker. Uh, I know better that, that way. It, yeah. and that's what the abbot says to me all the time. He says, we're not going to waste any profits on you drinking beer. And I, that's very true. <laughs> I love it. Um, and so my, my, I know what the beer I want it to taste like. And that's, that's the goal I have when I, when I'm drinking beer is it should taste the way I want it to. And, uh, but then after that, it's, it's more, I am totally focused on the, how, 
how can I do this in such a way that it actually does good for the app? And, uh, and then that's, that's where I put my time and my, 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 my talents are, are that like, it's just, if, if it's the artwork, if it's trying to come up with a, you know, the marketing part or the, this part or that part, I'm going to, I'm going to put as much into it as I can. And I have grown to very much enjoy the brewery solitude along with the candle making part. And then the tap rooms, uh, just great being able to conversate and have that, that ability to talk to people. But in the brewery, you know, it was always kind of interesting and, you know, cause most people would, would think that, you know, monks are supposed to be quiet. They're supposed to be, you know, just very pious and prayerful. And, mm-hmm. and then they meet me and they're like, you're, you're not at all what we thought a monk was supposed to be. But then I get these moments where I spend most of my days alone now. And I, I read a book recently, which I, I, I wish I could remember. It's contradictions of the rule of St. Benedict. And one of the parts I read that really stuck with me was the idea between the difference of being alone and being lonely. And I think most of my life when I was alone, I was lonely. And I was always looking for that next conversation or that next person and not doing the thing that I was assigned to because I was lonely. And then I started, you know, really looking into like my, my inner life and trying to figure out that alone isn't scary you know being by yourself and doing the thing that you're supposed to be doing is okay and then you but you're never alone because you have this extra time now that you can spend in prayer and you know guys honestly and i'm sure you guys know it like we have people constantly that'll ask us hey can you pray for can you do this i two people today i you know i'm this situation this person can you please pray for them and i and i i carry around a little notebook um Sometimes that I'll have like just jot names down and then put it back in my, my jacket or my, my uh, habit. And I'll um, just be able to take that out when I'm, uh, when I'm alone and just be like, you know, that's what I'm going to do right now. I'm going to take this time and just, and pray for that person or pray for that, whoever it was that asked. And I think we all, if we could just figure out that difference between those two situations, the world would be a whole different place. For sure, hundred percent, and I and I think that's just a beautiful notion: the difference between being alone and being lonely. Lonely, yeah. Right, and and the being lonely is almost like a choice. Yeah, right? kind of, kind of like what you were saying is that you're you're alone, but you're not lonely because you you have that time with God and you're praying for for those that have asked you to to pray for them. Uh, you can put my name down in your book, please. Oh, I can do that. Yeah, and, and maybe Absolutely. put. Put Dennis's name in there twice, maybe. Just, uh... <laughs> My name, maybe, maybe three times, brother, if you could. <laughs> now, why can't we get your beer? Okay, I won't even say in Canada, because that's a long way off. But even in, I, I don't even you can get it outside the tap room, brother. Is there any uh, movement to kind of make your product available, maybe more widely in Arkansas or through the southern states or something? Or not, so not yet? We're, we're focusing right now on trying to to figure out how distribution would work for us with the limited amount of time that I have for brewing. Uh, we use a one barrel system, uh, which is, you know, 31 gallons of beer at a time. Um, and that would be about, I think when we, we put that in cans, we usually get between eight and nine cases of beer. Um, we have one location in Fort Smith, Arkansas. It's called a uh, Sodi's, uh, 
it's a it's a liquor store, but they approached me many times about selling our beer there. So I started and I said, I'll bring you this amount. Mm-hmm. And then when you guys get low, you call me back and I'll figure out whether or not I can keep handling it. You know, uh, it, would, would right. it work for us? And it, it stretches like it, it's very hard with just one location to be able to sometimes keep when they reorder about every two weeks. Um, I, I was, I was going to ask, are you halfway back to the Abbey and the cell phones going off that they need you to drop more? Yeah. <laughs> The first week we were there, they they called me back and said, "Hey, uh, next week, can you bring us uh, can you bring us nine more cases?" And I was like, um, "You can't make that." No, one. I don't. I don't think I can. And they're like, "Oh, how about four? And then we'll do four the next week." And but it was it, it was one of those things that was very popular, and it still has been. We do about eight cases every two weeks, um, and kind of keeping a, a nice advertising for them. And one of the things I noticed for Dennis for your question, I think, is that. I'm only open one day a week and these businesses are six. They're That's able right. to be open six days a week and they're able to sell the beer to places I would never be able to get to. You know, they're an hour away from us. And uh, I love the idea of it. My only problem is making sure that I don't run out of product because right. I don't want a person to come in and say, Hey, I want to pick up an Amber and they don't have the beer. So right. that's why we started slow. Um, and that would be part of the, the business model would be how do we how do we size up without overdoing it? But at the same time, not, you know, some places have said, well, if you're at one barrel, you go to three and a half next. And somebody else told me, well, if you're at one barrel and it's going well, you go to 15 barrel. And I'm like, well, that seems like a pretty big jump. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I'm not yeah, really sure what we're doing there. You don't want to um, become a business like you say, right, brother? It's not exactly. a business. Yeah. Because now you're hiring people to do the work for you because mm-hmm. you can't handle that that amount of of work and and you know like Father Elijah and myself, Father Patrick always talk about you know our job primarily is prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I'm starting to leave the Abbey because I need to be somewhere else because I'm I've got to drive this beer to this location or that location or I need to be gone to make beer. Well, I've started to lose my primary focus and I I have to reevaluate. And I think that's really where we are right now is how, how do we scale up in a, in a reasonable, smart way that we could still provide some, maybe it's Little Rock, maybe Fort Smith, maybe Fayetteville, some, you know, some major Mm -hmm. hubs. um, And, uh, but at the same time, not overstretch ourselves to where my life becomes nothing but brewing beer. Yeah, and, and wow. as you're sharing this, it's reminding me of your your brothers over in Belgium at the Besfletteren Abbey, uh, and they make the world's I think it's the most expensive beer. Yeah, because again, they're men of prayer; they're not men of business, and so I think there's a waiting list to to get their beer. And, yeah, <laughs> right? and you can only go to the Abbey and pick it up on a certain day at a certain time of the year. Uh, it's but, amazing. And and those guys, like I, I was talking to somebody who's who kind of knows a little bit about their business. And uh, he said that there's one Abbey over there that they make enough beer so that they know that they can afford their their, uh, you know, their ministries for that year. And when they hit that mark, they just stop. Yeah. And they're like, no, that's it. That's all we're making this year. Come that's back next year. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, how amazing would that be to, to have the ability to just say, okay, that's enough. Um, you know, I'd love that myself. I'd be like, I, that's enough. Let's stop here. But, you know, for, I just think that uh, 
I think that that could be a possibility, you know, that I could drive for someday is to be so popular um, as a destination brewery that people want to come from all over the world, like these Benedict Belgian places, the Trappist mm-hmm. monasteries, and we'll. Uh, but we'll have to keep humble about it, you know. We yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm good. It's the the beer might be good enough. Yeah, and and again, there's where that temptation starts to creep in. You know, it's it's not about. Dennis and Robert, it's not about Brother Sebastian. It's not about the beer. It's all about the Lord, right? And yeah. that, that that temptation is great. Now, for those who are, are looking to find you, like you just mentioned, the, the shop that, that's not too far away, you have the tap room. You mentioned your website earlier. What's the, the website again for them to see their pro- your products? Uh, as so well, whether it's uh, the, the, the beer, the, the hot sauce, yeah, that one, so the beer is only I'll give you the, the Abbey products site first. It's country monks uh country monks dot biz. So country monks.biz. Uh okay. that's where all of our you know, while I'm saying that, I I'm actually gonna type that in to make sure I'm compliant. <laughs> um country monks.biz. And then our, our brewery one is country monks brewing.biz. But okay. we uh on the brewery site, we have like our T-shirts. Our uh, yeah, tell us about that stuff. T-shirt. I saw that T-shirt on one of the little hits there, uh, brother. That was funny. What's on the back of that T-shirt? I love that. We got to yeah. get a couple of those, Robert. Yeah. There's a couple of different ones. There's the one that's uh, the brewing beer. One, beer is just our habit. Yes, brewing um, beer is just our habit. And then we have uh, we we used a, a couple of different ones. Now we have like the traditional beer made by country monks. Uh, there's a uh, Life is too short to drink cheap beer. It's got a monk who's jumping into a glass of beer. And then there's another one with a, a monk kind of sitting in a lawn chair and the music is playing in heaven. There ain't no beer. That's why we drink it here. Um, that's probably the people's favorite because, you know, it's just that you know, monks making fun of the idea. And that's what they say. They're like, how can you say these things about heaven and this? And I said, well, it's not a theologically sound statement. It's just a joke. It's a song. It's something that we found that we thought was funny. And they, but it's a conversation piece. Yeah, yeah. And, it's uh, take, taking the faith seriously, but just not necessarily ourselves. Exactly. Exactly. And, and people, you know, they just, they really seem to, they, they, they I don't know, they enjoy the, 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 the kind of, uh, I want to say the ridiculousness of it. You know, they, I, I love it when I go around, like I'm in Fort Smith and all of a sudden I see one of my t-shirts somebody else is wearing and I'm like, oh my gosh, like that's such great advertising that's for cool. us. There's a, one of our shirts right there. And, uh, I love it. I think that that's probably one of the, the greatest ways to, to show that you enjoy something. Yeah, the, the last picture I saw of one of your shirts was uh, on a certain monk as he was on a scooter on the streets of Rome uh, on, <laughs> on the Facebook page. I w- would you know who that was, Brother Sebastian? Ah, that might have been me, I think. <laughs> oh, that's right, yeah. Uh, the, the kids made fun of me the entire time we were in Rome because I refused to get on these little electric scooters. Um, so then I, I was the last day we were going back and uh, we were waiting on a, I think we were waiting on a car or something, a taxi. And I said, there's a scooter. I'm going to go ride it. And I almost fell off of that thing about five times before I finally realized the balancing issue is a very big deal. Um, yeah. But I've got a short little video clip of it. And I'm just rocking back and forth the whole way. And uh, finally I kind of got it under control, got my feet in the right place. And 
Yeah, but I'm wearing that big shirt. And, uh, you know, I always tell people, I'm kind of a big guy. and I make a nice advertising billboard. Like, people should really pay me to wear their clothing lines. Uh, but no, I, I did. I enjoyed the, the trip to Rome a lot. And, uh, oh, I told you I was going to tell you guys a story at some point. We're almost there. That's right. Uh, yeah. Okay. So we'll but we'll keep going. We tell it now. Yeah. Why don't you tell the story? We'll finish up with the, the story. I think that would be a great way to, to end things here. So, um, so when we're while we were in Rome, I we, we kept going to all these different churches, and it, the boys even. So I took it was a group of fifteen of us. It was nine of the the boys who had graduated either in twenty twenty one or twenty twenty two. So it was a young group of guys along with five other parents and myself. And this one day, we just kept going church after church after church had something about St. Sebastian in it. It was a statue, it was a painting, it was a mosaic. And I'm like, oh, guys, look, there's St. Sebastian. And oh, look, St. Sebastian statue or St. Sebastian on that painting. And they're like, is this the St. Sebastian tour or is this the tour of Rome? And I said, well, it's going to be one or the other. Well, I so I don't know. I've never been to Rome before. This is my first trip. We go to the Vatican and we're inside St. Peter's. And we're walking around and I start looking and I'm only focused on where's the tomb of John Paul II. That's all I, I really wanted to see it was one time my monastic name. And I get over there and the tomb of John Paul II is, I think it's the second little side altar on the right side of St. Peter's. It might be the third. And I look up and above John Paul II is, um, it's, it's a mosaic painting of St. Sebastian. <laughs> So Sebastian and John go. Paul are above, right, right there in the same little altar. And I just thought to myself, gentlemen, this is why I chose the name. I yeah, got wow. both of the saints that I wanted. And uh, right there in St. Peter's. And they're right here together in St. Peter's. That's and very nice. It was, uh, it was, you know, the whole trip to Rome was humbling. I, I don't know that we in America truly understand churches in the way that the, the, the Renaissance period and the, in the old church, you know, you walked in. And it didn't matter which one you went into. There was a church, it felt like, on every block. But it was more beautiful than the church you had left the last one. And something different about this one and that one. And, and then the relics of apostles that are buried in and this one. And that one has, you know, and you're just, like, overwhelmed with. And that's what I, you know, I told the boys, I said, our faith is on full display here. Because you don't get this. You know, you go to France, you'll see it. You go to, you know, England or you go to to Germany, you, you'll see these churches, but you know, in America, you, you just kind of sometimes end up and maybe, I don't know if it's the same in Canada or not, but oh, it is. you <laughs> just kind of get these lackluster, yeah. you know, sort of neat little, but there it's like people, you know, we, we were saying like, you know, these churches are built by families because those families wanted to honor God in some way. And this is, this was their way. And what a beautiful to walk around and be able to live your faith in these images is just amazing. And I, I was floored by it and I'm very happy that the abbot allowed me to go and to share that moment. And, uh, but also to, to just have that experience now of having been to Rome. Yeah. And, and just that whole notion of, of truth and beauty is what brings our, our, our faith alive. And yeah. Yeah, I, I lament often uh, the modern church architecture that we have over here in North America. Uh, Dennis was up at my parish last weekend for a mass. And the pastor we had before, I think did a very commendable job of taking a cinder block box and trying to make it look like 
those Roman churches. Yeah. He, he was a, a priest of Italian background. So he was really trying to bring that, that alive, but within a concrete box. Mm-hmm. Right? Late 70s architecture. Yeah. And, and really lament, but that just that notion of, of truth and beauty and the beauty of the architecture of those churches makes the faith come alive. And I think too, the, the beauty that you can put in a glass because yeah. it truly, it truly is a, a thing of beauty. Uh, and what you and the brothers are doing down there in Subiaco, uh, especially with the tap room and the, the beers and providing that space for the Holy spirit to work, whether it's through yourselves or through the other patrons, I think that's just a, an amazing thing. So well, I want, I wanted to thank you for, for joining us this evening. Brother Thank Sebastian, you, brother. And, and sharing all of these stories. I, yeah, I'm just wow. I think wow we've just scratched the surface. I think we'll have to get you back, brother. It's been such a great conversation, but we, we definitely want we want to hear more. And, and, and maybe we'll get down there one day uh, soon. Robert, it sounds like a, a road trip. The retreat center sounds beautiful. We can go to the tap room and meet brother Sebastian in the flesh. But uh, it's been a great hour or so. But uh, unfortunately, the time is is, is upon it's us t- again. Tempest fugit. Part, time flies. Part, yeah, part <laughs> two for sure in the future. Please God. Thank you guys very much for inviting me to to be on the show with you today. I really been, do appreciate the, the chance. And it's been great to hear your story, brother, and and what you're doing down in Subiaco. And Subiaco has always got a special place because I, I lived in Perth for a little while, and one of the big suburbs of Perth is, of course, Subiaco. So there's oh, definitely very- been, and that's what the I guess the monastery. Sh- you know, north of Perth, I guess there was a heavy monastic presence uh, one time there. So Subiaco always rings a bell for me. So I'll, I'll never forget that name. That's for sure. That's awesome. Thank you very much, brother. Have a good evening. Okay, Thanks. brother. Thank you. Yep. I appreciate- oh, brother, wait. Uh, and yes. we have to, and don't you, we have something oh, to. Uh, yeah, I always forgot. forget. I always, it's, it's an age thing. Coming, I always forget. Coming your uh, way, brother. Yes. It's uh, you, the, the Pints oh, and Pews oh, ball oh. cap for so uh, when, you, when you're coaching ball. We'll, no, we'll be sending. We'll, we'll be sending that down. Uh, Robert puts that in the mail. I don't know how long it takes to get to Arkansas, but it should be there by July, I would imagine. <laughs> well, it depends on how long it takes Robert to get it to the post office. That's the uh, <laughs> that's yeah. the other part of, of the, the equation as well. Yeah, I will we'll send happily, it in the mail. happily wear the hat. Thank you yeah. very much again for your time tonight, and letting me be on the show. Another great episode, Robert, Brother Sebastian. Wow. Does it not make you want to go to Subiaco, Arkansas? Uh, yes. Yes. Like that was and fantastic conversation. Oh. Uh, we had great conversation with him before. And again, afterwards, at one point, right. I think I said, you know, why did we stop recording? This was, it was absolutely fantastic. So we will have to have him back yeah. on. Part two, for sure. And we will have to get down to Subiaco one day. I think you figured out about how far away it is. How, well, eight, how? 18 and a half hours. With the price of gas, how much could that be in gas nowadays? Come on. I think over. it was, I, I think the quick calculation on that is maybe about $200, $250 each way. Each way. Wow. I mean, the airfare might be cheaper. Who knows? Yeah, the airfare right? might be cheaper. You're right. Fly into Little Rock, I guess we probably would. That in, no, 18, in, in 18 hours with you in the car? Oh, my yeah. God. I, well, no, it wouldn't be 18 hours straight. We do it overnight for sure. Yeah. But um, what amazing man. Like, I know he gets a little bit help in there, but he's basically running the show down there. And he's doing No wonder you can't get too big. I mean, there's just not enough probably monks to help out. They've got other things they're running down there, other things they're doing. They've got the school. So there's a lot of work being done. And, of course, first and foremost, it's a prayer for life, is it not? Exactly. Men of prayer and first and, and, and not foremost. really men of business. No, exactly. 
Exactly. So maybe keeping it small is probably a good thing for them. But But they just got to get some over the border. We're getting thirsty up here. Sure. Maybe again, we make that road trip and then, you know, we just kind of have to put a case or two in the trunk for the the car ride Yes, for sure. But my old flame is pretty much done here, Dennis. The time seems to have flown by and my hourglass is pretty much empty. Yes. And mine too, Robert. Uh, My your Irish stout is almost gone, but it's always a pleasure, both the pint and the conversation. Especially the pint. Yes, but it's always a pleasure to talk about our Catholic faith as well with Brother Sebastian tonight. Very true. Very true. And just before we wrap up here, Dennis, perhaps there's one small favor we could ask of our listeners. If you could take a quick moment and a couple of clicks to follow the Pints and Pews podcast on your favorite platform and give us a review. And while you're at it, give us a like on Facebook or drop us a line there or at pintsandpews at gmail.com. We always enjoy hearing from our listeners. Chat again soon, my friend. God willing. And until then, why don't you remind our listeners of the wise words of G.K. Chesterton. In Catholicism, the pint, the pipe, and the cross can all fit together. God bless. 